as worldly of a Renaissance man as I am, I'm not actually as big of a Shakespeare fan as many college faculty members are at this point. Mm. So um, do you know what Much Ado About Nothing is about, the Shakespeare play? Do you know the general uh, gist of it? Yes. It's a comedy. I know that much. Yep. Um, I've actually seen it twice, but I can't off the top of my head tell you exactly what it's it, about. There's a wedding or something in it, isn't there? There's like a, yeah, just to stop uh, a wedding or something it's like, like that. A, it's like a romantic farce. Yeah. Uh, if you're searching for what the connection to this episode is, I can't give you one. Okay. Um, that is what just, I was looking for. Yeah. It seems, I don't, I don't really get the title honestly because it's it's not really not even an episode that's about boimler so much as, as it is about mariner so i'm not sure why they went with that title yeah yeah do you know um here's a little bit of trivia for you this is the what number episode or film to feature the name of a character played by a regular series cast member in its title in this case boimler and much ado about nothing oh, i see so how many before this have there been or th- what number is this that it's happened 10. 12. Pretty close. Ooh, I, ooh, that was my second guess was 12. It's, Damn. Uh, so it's Spock's Brain, Search for Spock, mm-hmm. Data Lore, Elementary Dear Data, Data's Day, Fistful of Datas, Menage Troy, Dax, House of Quark, Arman Bashir, and Dr. Bashir, I presume, are all the examples of it happening. So Data had the most with four. I think. Yeah. Yeah, from the TNG cast, uh, Data has the most and... Troy has the most unfortunate. Yeah, Menage a Troy. <laughs> and Dax is just Dax, which is kind of cute. But yeah, well, so let's uh, let's get into Much Ado About Boimler. It's the latest episode of Star Trek Lower Decks. We're going to take a break, play a clip from the episode. We'll come back and break it down. Ensign Boimler, reporting for duty! Dude, what is wrong with you? Nothing, I'm just phasing. No biggie. Disagree, it's kind of a biggie. Ensign, report to sickbay. But that's for sick people. Now. Much Ado About Boimler is the seventh episode of the first season of Star Trek Lower Decks. It came out on September 17th, 2020. Written by M. Willis, which is a mysterious name. Directed by Barry J. Kelly. In-universe data is 5775.2.62380. In this episode, Mariner tries to impress her best friend from Starfleet Academy, who is now a visiting captain. Boimler is sent to a Starfleet medical ship after a transporter accident puts him out of phase. Um... Do you want to start this one, Clay? I I thought this was the best episode so far. I like this one quite a bit. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought it was pretty good too. Um, I didn't uh, I didn't think that they did enough with it, um, but I enjoyed it. Like uh, uh, I thought the Mariner story wasn't as uh, deep diving as it could have been because you get the sense that you know you get you get as the interactions with her and her friend you get the stuff with uh uh she's like well she doesn't want to be a captain or she wants to stay an ensign or whatever but they never really dive into really why it's just sort of like that's just what it is yep and uh i like that they split up the pairings differently so you've got tendy and uh boimler but they didn't really interact at all no, when, during when their, I, their trip. When I noticed it, I was like, oh, they're doing it. It's Tendi and Boimler stuck together, mm-hmm. and then she doesn't really have anything to do with it. She's just kind of the character who's along with Boimler for his journey at that point, yeah. Yeah, I mean, she didn't even really need to go. It could have just They could have just sent the dog by yep. itself, and yep. it probably would have been fine. Yeah. Um, 
but yeah, I thought it was I thought it was pretty good. I liked the uh, I liked the the alien that crushes the spit the ship at the end. I thought that was that was fun. Yeah, did you recognize that alien? Um, they look familiar. Not specifically. I was surprised no. they didn't name it. I think it's supposed to be the alien from Encounter at Farpoint, the jellyfish creatures that oh, they really? say. Yeah, uh, it's, oh. I think it looks kind of like that anyway. Memory Alpha seems to think that's what, that's what it is, but they they have a line about they they've never seen an alien like that before, so I don't know if it's just supposed to be an homage. But I was surprised that they didn't call it out as oh, it's the encounter from mm. Farpoint alien that's going on here. I uh, I like this one. I I thought that I think our common criticism is that it doesn't really go far enough. But I thought that this one was most in line with what you've been asking for, which is to just take a. They don't really do. Uh, the whole thing with it, but just to take a plot line from a Star Trek episode and turn it into something mm-hmm. else, they do that most bluntly with uh, the character, the the senior staff on the Cerritos who go to the planet are dressed in all black as a callback to Chain of Command, which is where mm-hmm. Worf, Data, and Crusher break into the Cardassian plant to steal war plans or whatever. Uh, this one, the joke is that they're just going to, to plant some seeds or something, so yeah, like it, it's kind of That's an over-the-top good. reaction to what they're doing. Um, and the other sort of the the medical thing was just to call back to all the medical accidents that have happened in Star Trek the entire time. Like the old uh, young guy is a rascal split the the character who's split half aging rapidly and half de aging is a rascal. Oh, is that is that something that, that that's been on Star Trek before? The de aging thing is it's the he he even calls himself a little rascal or something. So it's the uh, the rascals oh, episode sure. of TNG. And there's some other references. There's a reference to Voyager's threshold with the salamander thing. There's um. Uh, a few other the the sort of transporter accidents are always are frequently there. So I, I, I love I like the uh, I love the multiple Captain Pike wheelchair guys. Yeah, <laughs> when, was... when they're having like their mai tais by the yeah, by the I pool. that was good. Yeah. <laughs> so I they didn't really they don't take the plot mm. and redo it or anything. I just thought it was the most. I thought it was a good balance of they're referencing stuff that Star Trek fans will understand, but they're not calling it out constantly as like this is a reference. Sure. This is a reference. So I, I thought they did a pretty good job of that, and I thought that it was a good balance. They're, they're gradually sort of moving into what we were asking about, like the the senior staff. There now seems to be a much more clear division between the Lower Decks characters and the other Starfleet characters, like mm-hmm. um, the entourage of this visiting captain are very traditional Star Trek characters who are appalled that Mariner is doing everything incorrectly. Um, mm-hmm. And I like that stuff. I think it's a good way for the show to go. Yeah, <clears throat> I like it too. Um yeah, I think my my problem with this one is I I didn't feel like the the stories themselves were were complete enough. They uh they had some good stuff in it and they they hung together fairly well, but it was just like I don't know. They play Mariner so uh so incompetent um that when they turn it on its head at the end, I didn't super believe it. Yeah. Uh because it doesn't it never seemed to me like she was maybe doing this on purpose it just seemed like she wasn't ready for what what the the responsibility she was given yep. so when they flipped the switch at the end i was like well okay. i was surprised by it as well i it, yeah. it made sense when it happened because up to that point i was like oh they're kind of changing the mariner character to make her look as incompetent as the rest of the lower decks characters are uh, i was like oh maybe they're sort of course correcting for that character but it mm. turns out to just be she doesn't want to be promoted to that ship so she's going to act uh, be inept in her uh, duties until she actually has to save the day, and then her true personality comes out. Yeah, I kind of wish maybe they had seeded the promotion possibility earlier in the episode because that just kind of comes out of nowhere. Yeah. 
where it's it's just like I knew you were going to give me a job, and she's like I was going to give you a job, and so well they they don't really you never really get that sense from the way that they're interacting before that. Yep. So I wish that was a little bit seated a little bit better. And yeah, the stuff with the stuff with Boimler was fine, but it was like I don't know. It was really strange to take a transporter thing like that. Well, and I love the transporter actively... joke. <laughs> I love the oh, transporter no, joke. I, it's so good. It, yeah. yeah, I thought it was pretty good. It was just weird to me that they took him off the ship yep. and kind of put him on this other course that ultimately uh, didn't really link into anything else. But it also just felt weird to take him off the ship. Um I was surprised they cured him of the noise so quickly. I thought that was going to be the runner yeah. threat the entire thing that no one can wherever he's standing, no one can hear each other because of the constant shimmering of the transporter noise. Which I, which yeah, I, I yeah. thought that was funny. I, I thought like that's my that's probably my favorite joke that the show has made so far to have someone stuck in the constant transporter noise. Um, and I thought that they they handled it fairly well. They didn't even really. I was expecting at the end where they save everyone and they all become those transporter ghosts and they're all making the noise. I expect when they're celebrating. There was no joke of character looking at another character going like, what are they saying? Like, what's, what's happening yeah. up there? They, they stopped yeah. with that joke at that point. Yeah. I think that was just what wasn't working for me for this one was just like the, it, it didn't seem as tightly knit together as some of the other ones have, have been. Yeah. Yeah. And I, um, Even the thing with the dog. The thing with the dog, I, I thought the dog was funny. I liked the dog, but it was just such a background thing. Yeah. Like it was just sort of like accenting certain scenes, and yeah, I, I don't know. I just uh, felt a little redundant. Like I, I, f- I think like it feels like Lower Decks does that quite a bit um, mm-hmm. now, which is the kind of uh, which I don't mind. I don't think it's bad, but it felt so superfluous on this one that I kind of noticed it. But it's the the alien that looks cute but turns out to be a, a monster, basically, or has some like sort mm-hmm. of devious, uh, deceptive thing about, it, and the dog fits in that picture. Although I, I like the. The ending with the dog, I thought, was a fine enough payoff for that. Uh, sure. And the joke being that Tendy doesn't know what a dog is supposed to look, be or act like. Yeah, I was kind of, I was kind of wishing that they had left Tendy on the ship, and had it, uh, had it been just Boimler and the dog, because I think having those two interact might have been kind of fun. Yep. Um. Instead, you have tendy who's not really doing anything and the dog who's not really doing anything and and boimler who's interacting with all these other characters anyway so it's it's yeah yeah no i I thought they were i thought they were pretty light plots in this one i thought that they Mm -hmm. they just in my opinion they kind of rode the joke well enough to get through it for me like the uh I wasn't so let down initially by the joke or the the conception of what the plot line was supposed to be that I was kind of waiting for it to be over or waiting for the gas to run out of it. I thought that they made mm-hmm. it all the way through fairly effectively. Uh, the Mariner one, they do feel, if anything, the character beats feel a little bit redundant at this point, even seven episodes in. Like, you know that Boimler is going to try to act well. Um, I think the problem with the redundancy is just that the the plots that these characters are in this episode is so slight that when mm. it relies on a character beat that's so repetitious and that you know that that character has to do it, it just feels like he's doing it just because that's the thing that that character would do in this situation. Right. Like Mariner hiding her intention and Boimler uh, <clears throat> deferring to authority in, in all cases, as, even if he thinks it's the, the wrong idea. Uh, but I'd say that I thought the comedy was fairly effective. This is the... This is the mix of Star Trek and the comedy, I think, that they've done the best out of everything. Uh, I, I just thought it was strong. It wasn't overly referential. And the characters who are non-Lower Decks characters felt like Starfleet officers. A, a little exaggerated, but they still felt like Starfleet officers. 
Yeah, yeah, I, I like the uh, I like the visiting crew. I thought they were fun. Um, because yeah, they were they were pretty straightforward, and uh, I'm actually kind of surprised that there is no Vulcan on this sh- on this uh, show. Yeah, because it seems like a Vulcan would be such a perfect straight man. Yeah. Um. So to have one there this episode was was kind of nice to get a little bit of that because like I I feel like you could do a whole episode about Mariner being paired with a straight laced Vulcan right. or something. Yeah. Yeah. No, it would be nice to have a Vulcan be a main senior officer like the uh the first officer or something they have ransom there in how this long case. how long do vulcans live generally hundreds of years 200 300 years something like that so is it is it possible that you could bring to paul onto this show yeah it is i think right that would that would be fun yeah if you want to bring somebody back um i would have that i i thought that the I, I was the only disappointment I had, which is like a purely personal disappointment, is that it's such a reference to Jellico coming up uh, on TNG mm. from Chain of Command, and I love the character of Jellico. I was kind of wishing that it would be a joke about the captain who comes on is not what they're used to, and make it less about like a mariner's personal relationship with this person, and just have it be a a character who, I guess, in the lower decks universe would be extremely starfleet like extremely buttoned mm-hmm. up and it would brace against them in the way that jellico is kind of a, a different captain than what the crew expects in the tng episode uh, i guess there's still time to do all of that stuff but i i, I was also waiting for like with when you set up a chain of command thing you don't have a torture scene in it like maybe that's a little bit <laughs> difficult to do but i expected to see someone uh being hung up in that sort of iconic shot of Picard hanging from his wrist or whatever, like while they're planting seeds beneath him or something like that. But yeah, we didn't even we don't even know if they com- completed their mission. Right. I mean, I guess they did because they came back at the end. Yeah. But like, like that's kind of my my issue. I think with this one is it's like they there's a lot of fun stuff in it, but I just didn't feel like it was it was as fully baked as some of the other ones were, as far as like where they were going with their jokes and whatnot. Mm. Because yeah, that the the thing where they're going to plant the seeds is nice, but they don't really ever kind of really pay that off, other than just to have it in a background thing. Yeah. And shit. But yeah, it was uh, it it was good. I mean, it, it continues to be an enjoyable show. Yeah, it's. I, I guess it's how much. Um, I guess a lot of it's just the the general criticism that we're coming back to is like how much of the show can just rely on referencing things as jokes, and how much mm-hmm. should it try to focus on being more of a satire of Star Trek because I think if you if you flesh out the the like the chain of command storyline and you turn it into a funny storyline it's almost more of a satire than this one which just seems to be mm-hmm. more of a sitcom setup that has Star Trek trappings stuck to it right and right. I think Star Trek fan like I I assume this is the way that they would want to go if they're looking for a more general audience to tune into this show. But mm-hmm. I think the Star Trek fans would look for a little bit more of a satire spin on it where the the jokes being made kind of more are by necessity need to be known. Like the original content needs to be known. The original source material needs to be recognized sure. in order for the jokes to make a little bit more sense. And I think they're mm-hmm. trying to strike the, the balance between those two things. And yeah. I don't know if the balance will ever be fully satisfying as something where you'd be like, that's a great animated show. It'll always just be kind of like, that's a fine time filler between seasons of real, quote unquote, uh, real Star Trek. Yeah. Yeah, I I don't think they have to be mutually exclusive. I think you can find a middle ground. But yeah, I don't know what exactly what that middle ground is going to look like. Um, Whether or not it is going to be, yeah, you could be right. It could be. 
it could be ultimately f- just kind of fine because in order for it to be really good, you have to commit to one way or the other. Yeah. Um, but I don't think it's impossible to to make a show that that's satisfying uh, riding that line. Right. And I mean, you might be able, they might be able to find that balance, and maybe it is actually really good. I'm not sure. Yeah. Does this show even need to do that? Like, is there is there is there a desperation for this show because it's animated and because it's seen as like a um, a, sh- a Star Trek show, but not really a Star Trek show. Like, I mean that in the best way possible. Does it even really need mm-hmm. to be anything better than a something that people tune into every week? Like, it doesn't. I think other animated shows have a potential, like a sort of um, need to separate themselves and be exceptional, like Star Trek, uh, not Star, like South Park or Simpsons or Family Guy. Mm-hmm. Even like there's a. Because they are the only thing of that brand, they have to excel so that people will tune in to them. Right. And this one doesn't really have to. It's more riding the coattails of Star Trek, both creatively and uh, advertisingly, marketing-wise. So, like, not to. I I guess it's just a polite way of saying it's kind of filler content. It's like, how good does Mm -hmm. it actually have to be, or is this just fine the way that it is, and you just have to accept that it's going to be this sort of a weak sauce version of a animated show and a weak sauce version of a Star Trek show mixed together. And this is the the best case scenario. Well, what's interesting to me about it is if I was in the production room, if uh, production room, I don't know if it's not, it's not a sausage factory. (laughs) It's a television show. Um, If I was in the machinery, a cog in the machine. If I was out on the floor in the, in the The foreman came up to you. Uh, no, if if I was if I was one uh, the showrunner or whatever, I feel like I would kind of recognize that, or I would hope I would recognize that Lower Decks has the most potential to be a crossover hit. I think because Discovery is still fairly niche because it's. I mean, well, we'll see what happens after they air it on CBS proper, but uh, um. I think Discovery is still fairly niche, and Picard is ultimately fairly niche as well, and, and neither one of them were received super, super well. Mm. <coughs> Excuse me. So I think you there's kind of like an opening for Lower Decks to kind of like slip through, and if they can really tighten it up and, and really... Uh, if they really lean into it and really go for it with the show, I think it could be the... Uh, it could come out on the other end as the best. Not, we have said that it's the the best of the new the new Star Treks, but we are like, you know, we're overly critical of the stuff. But um, I feel like it could be just a more wider, widely accepted show as like, oh, this is the Star Trek that I like because it has um, a little bit more uh, room to play in a. Uh, wider um, man my metaphors are just going all over the, i was gonna say room to play in a wider umbrella i don't know if that makes any sense but you know <laughs> a lot you know of room I mean? under no, this like umbrella to not get wet yeah, but it's raining you can, cats yeah and dogs. you could fit fit lots of people under this umbrella just don't open it inside a house um but like i think it has i think it has the most room to really kind of make a run yeah and uh and really be something that stands out because three seasons into discovery we're just sort of like yeah okay and Picard was like, "No, oh, okay, yeah, it's not really. You're not really reaching a lot. It doesn't feel like either of those are reaching a lot of new people. I th- feel like st- uh, Lower Decks might be able to do that if they if they really lean into it. Yeah, they screwed it up by 
uh, they should have done the Enterprise route and not put Star Trek into the title. It should just be Lower Decks. Yeah. So people go, what's, yeah. this, what's this animated show, Lower Decks, about spaceships and the Federation? It can't be Star Trek. It was hilarious. The first episode was all Star Trek jokes. I can't wait to see what the rest of the show is. <laughs> oh, what, what, what other oh, sci-fi franchises? Oh, it's all Star Trek jokes? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what other Star Trek, uh, sci-fi franchises are going to get the skewer of Lower Decks and its critical analysis? Um, yeah, I... Um, I guess how do you I I guess there's not really much else to say about the episode. Um if I was wondering when I was watching this today because I we record this fairly early on Thursday and there's no way I'm staying up until midnight to watch this. Uh so I watch mm-hmm. it early in the morning. And I was wondering do you think that you'd be much impacted if this was a 45 minute show? I think I think a lot of my enjoyment comes from the fact that it's over so quick that I can just yeah. watch it real easily and not care. And yeah. some I think patrons or listeners were saying that this show is good, but they wish that it could be forty five minutes. And I'm like, no, no, I don't want forty five minutes of this. Like I just want no. the twenty two and to get me out of there. And I was wondering if if it was longer, would I be more harsh on it? And I think I probably would to like a, a to a pretty strong degree. I think if this was a longer episode, I'd, I'd be much more. Uh, I'd be less forgiving of it, I think, because mm. I feel like it's consuming a lot of my time that it's not deserving, really, which sounds really harsh, but like the 45 minute or an hour is a lot to ask of people, and this is not a 20-minute episode. Yeah, yeah, and it's like, what, do you, what are you really gaining from making it twice the length, you know? like It, it comes it, back it to just, what we were saying about if you wanted to do a Star Trek episode parody, you kind of do need more time for it because you mm-hmm. need to build off of things. But if they're just going to make jokes at the expense of Star Trek, 20 minutes is fine for that amount of uh, material. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, I, like I, I've never I've never looked at an episode of The Simpsons and said, I wish this was an hour long. Yeah. Or an episode of South Park and said, oh, I wish this was an hour long. That's what the movies are for. Uh, right. Yeah. 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 You know, a special occasion. Yeah. I just don't know what, what gets added. Um I don't think I don't think the time restraint is a is a is a that much of a limiter because those other shows that I mentioned tell amazing stories in 22 minutes. Um, I think it probably feels like it should be longer because the pace is so fast uh, generally. So it probably feels like, oh, well, if they just slowed things down and let things breathe, maybe blah, blah, blah. But that's, you know, not what they, well, what I they think, want to do, I guess. I think what the, what they cut out is the science fiction part of it so the the missions of lower decks are just like here's a very familiar situation the problem immediately happens and here's our immediate solution to the problem because it's not really Mm. about the adventure of the sci-fi journey that star trek normal episodes are it's just about inserting a template onto something and then making some cracks about it and then getting the hell out of there very quickly in a way that we complain about with discovery and stuff but it's not that kind of show it doesn't need to have a resolution that's like well, that tied up very nicely. It can have a cartoony right. resolution to it, and it's acceptable. Yeah. Well, like, uh, is the Orville an hour? I think the Orville's a half an hour, isn't it? Uh, or are those hour? No, I think episodes? they're hours. I think they're forty-five. Oh, minutes. Oh, are they really? Yeah, I think oh, so. I assume they were half hour. Uh, we'll, we'll scratch that, I guess. Let me check. But you, uh, you, yeah, Orville. No, I just I don't I don't know if this specific show is really if you really get that much by adding another half an hour um yeah they're 45 minute episodes oh they are yeah huh why did i think they were half well whatever um 
but yeah, it, I, I think, I mean, honestly, I find half an hour shows refreshing yes. at this point. Yeah, I do too. Yeah. Uh, cause everything is trying to be a fucking prestige drama now. I find the worst. I find I, I even when we go back to Star Trek and it's a forty-two minute episode, I'm like fantastic. When all the new HBO shows are like fifty-eight minutes, uh, like yeah. sixty-eight minutes, you know, it's, it's they, like riding the, that hour mark. And it's like just ramp it up in forty. That's fine. Yeah. Then there's the ones where it's like, well, we actually don't have time caps because uh, HBO is going to let us tell the story we need in the time that we need to do it. So it's like, oh, this episode is actually eighty-five minutes. Yeah. Okay. Great. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> Well, like uh, I actually, I'm I'm pissed off. I only thought about this now because we were doing our content consumption mm. recording yesterday, and I was struggling for things to talk about. And I was like, shit, I should have talked about Cobra Kai because I've been watching Cobra Kai, the uh, the the Karate Kid sequel show. Those are half an hour episodes, and oh my god, it's amazing. Yeah, it's the show itself is fantastic, but it's just like a half an hour show that you can watch, get in and get out, and feel satisfied by is just. You know, it's like there's so many shows that I haven't even started because they're so daunting. Yeah. For me, it's because you know, it it's doesn't like, kill my evening. Like, just sure, just yeah. personally, it's like the kids go to bed. We have to clean up. And then, like, eating, doing a whole hour is a significant amount of my time before I go to bed. You know, so it's like right, it, right. it kills me being able to do something else. But if it's just a half hour, I've got a half hour to do, you know, in my case, it's like edit or make a thumbnail or something like that. It's just it, it feels like it's much less intrusive into my evening to have a half hour than a full hour of something to watch which is why i only watch quibi because everything's like eight <laughs> minutes and i can i can watch 15 shows in the time it would take me to watch one show i just have siri read tweets to me and i'm like good yes. this is this is the content that i need and now I'm, I'm off to do something else i watch i watch youtube videos that are summaries of other youtube videos which are summaries of entire seasons of shows <laughs> i don't think i've seen a quibi yet What's the gimmick? Is it just short? That's just the whole point. It's like yeah, a Twitter for video content. It's just supposed content. to be short and short and mobile friendly, I think. It's supposed to be like, oh, it shows you can watch on your phone in 8-minute bursts or whatever. The only thing I've ever watched on there is uh my girlfriend's a big Princess Bride fan and they did this uh thing during quarantine where they had a bunch of people recreate basically the entire movie of Princess Bride. And it was it was a lot of fun. I, I recommend checking it out if if you can find it. Um, Are the shows but, in vertical mode to take advantage yes. of mobile? So they're all they're they all shot yeah. that way or made that way. Mm-hmm. Okay, interesting. Yeah. Um. Yeah, uh, I'm not I'm not going to get into that, but I, uh, <laughs> <laughs> just I, I feel like vertical vertical mode is slowly becoming acceptable in a way like dude i just today saw a commercial for a new tv that you can turn vertically yeah it's it's like it's supposed to be it's like a samsung computer monitors can always do it you can always do it for really if you turn your computer monitor sideways you can just change the resolution on it but it's a i I guess the major problem with it was Showing vertical video on non-vertical is obnoxious, but if you're watching it on your phone that way, or you're looking at Instagram stories, right. there's nothing really wrong with it. You know, it's like you—it's just about people don't want the blank space on the sides of the screen. That's all it comes down to. Yeah, and because if it's if it's a horizontal thing, but it's a vertical image, it crunches the image, yeah. so it makes it you know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I it was a, it's a weird TV. The ad was really strange because it's like you can. It's it's they it said it was eight K, which I didn't even know was a thing. Mm-hmm. 
and you can turn it vertically if you want to if you really want to watch i guess cell phone videos in 8k at <laughs> would, one, like 55 inches i would just do it for recipes because you're all, when you're cooking you're yeah. constantly scrolling for for the recipe to come up and down and if it's vertical you wouldn't have to scroll as much if you if you really want to see that only fans content in the best resolution possible uh, you turn that thing sideways, and it's also waterproof or like weather resistant. <laughs> and the, in the commercial, they show like a bunch of guys watching football on the on porch the... as it's like pouring rain. Sure, <laughs> yeah. Like, what the, 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 what cor- the fuck? What instances in your life are you gonna need a waterproof <laughs> television? <laughs> uh, it's coronavirus, I guess, changing our expectations as yeah, to where I guess we're going. So. Are we have we run out of things to talk about Star Trek Lower Decks? Is this is this the 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 realm that we've run into? Not just this episode. Is it possible mm. that the series is done? We have three episodes left, which is not bad. But um, yeah. Well, you know, I think I think the thing that's that's the thing that generates the most conversation on any of these shows is is the plot, and I think this plot is so light that it's just you kind of run through it pretty quickly like the other ones the other ones have star trek plots that i think are a lot more fascinating to talk about yeah um but this one is fairly light and uh yeah i I, they they keep doing this thing where the ship it ends up being like a ship-wide crisis yeah whether it's their ship or another ship and then they have to do they have to get out of it very quickly um i would like to see them do something different so the stakes aren't always the ship is about to be destroyed or something has taken over the ship or et cetera, et cetera. I mean, I guess that's the easiest way to get everybody involved. Um, But it would be nice if they kind of, if they spread their, spread their uh, wings a little bit and and did stuff that wasn't so uh, ship, ship catastrophic every time. A lot of the dangers have been alien that gets bigger. You know, like an alien that either mm. absorbs something yeah. or this one's absorbing energy and it's slowly taking the ship apart. A lot of the uh, threats that they've come onto have been that kind of a thing, which is like a, um a incredible blob type storyline. It's like it just mm-hmm. keeps getting bigger and bigger and sucking everyone into it because they did that last week with the AI was just sucking up all the tricorders and this one right. uh, is sucking up the energy. And then there was the, the one, terraforming, the terraforming things. one, which yeah. is just, yeah, just getting bigger and bigger. Um, and I... I also would like a break from that. I would I would like those just to become much more of a Star Trek parody thing. Like just go down and meet some weird uh, alien planet that you know the the in some ways the animation frees them, but I don't feel that they really take advantage. Like they talk to those like frog alien king, like the frog mm-hmm. king is the leader of this alien uh, planet, and I feel that there's room to really go there as opposed to just having an alien that you can now animate as as weird as you want and so they're all going to be look a little bit weird but we don't comment on anything further than that Mm. um i would like a little bit more of that i think but it's still still being tuned up i suppose i think they're making progress i think the show is changing from what it was originally into something that is more what i was expecting and i think suits the comedy better yeah i think so too i think uh uh, the the one the one difference this time though in their shipwide catastrophic event is they don't uh, snap their fingers and everything goes back to normal. Mm-hmm. The ship actually gets destroyed. Yeah, not the Cerritos, obviously, but the uh, the other ship that's been overtaken by this. Uh, I you know I actually thought that was pretty good. I liked that um, <clears throat> that that Star Trek element of it where they go to the this other ship that looks like it's been abandoned, but then they find the crew. 
and uh, they're like, "No, we turned everything off because there's something here." I thought that was really nice. Yeah, that was that was a, that was a cool little plot. Um, Almost snuck up yeah, out they, of nowhere. I must have blinked or something mm, because they they go from yeah. that terraforming the frog planet or whatever, fixing the water filters to meeting with the Rubido, and that's where the the, the it's it was. I must have blinked because I was confused at where they were at that point. It's something that shifted, yeah. and I wasn't paying attention. Yeah, I think I think that's one of the things that takes a little bit getting used to with the show too, is because uh, probably animation more than anything else. <clears throat> It allows them to do a lot of stuff like they're not hampered by sets and whatnot because that plot of them going to the Rubido and finding the crew and then finding out that there's an alien, invisible alien that's going to crush it if you turn the lights on or whatever, that's like an entire episode of TNG yeah. right there. Yeah. Um, but since they have this freedom to do whatever they want, they can go to three different planets and show you what they're doing on those three planets and then hit the ship thing later on. Yeah. So I'm wondering, I think I just I think the the desire for it to be longer is probably built from the pacing of the show. Yeah. Because they do so much. Those people would want um, them to explore either the water filtration or the Rubido thing. Instead of making it three pegs right. of a building joke with Mariner, it's just the focus right. of the episode. Right. Which I think um I think that shows you what the differ the the difference in what the focus of the show is because this is this is at the end of the day a fairly character centric show like all the stories that they tell are very character centric and it's more about how the characters change or are affected by what's going on more than it is what's going on right whereas Star Trek is traditionally more of a what's going on type show yeah so I, I would, think yeah. I think, well, to clarify that, I guess it's Star Trek is also a character base, but it's the characters dealing with the the situation is almost just as important as the characters in the, the right, sci-fi sure. setting. But and Lower Decks says that's not the case. Uh, you can just make up the setting very quickly, and then you insert the characters. I think the problem there is that the characters are fairly repetitive to this point, only yeah. seven episodes mm. in. So, like when you're building your show around that, I think you need to either mix up the character interactions or give these guys something additional to do. Like I think. I feel like Rutherford is missing something. He's he's I he understand missing from the episode. He's missing week. from this. Yeah, he causes he does the fly experiment which causes Boimler to turn into the energy uh, energy creature. But he's he's missing like a like a depth adding characteristic or something like I understand that he's kind of the nebbish nerd who wants to do everything quickly and he's kind of mm-hmm. you know he's an over over eager uh, eager to please kind of character. But I feel like he needs like a, a negative trait or something. There's something missing from him that makes him not fit in as a main cast member and that it's it's hard for Rutherford to get a plot line, it feels like, because they're not sure what mm. he would do in that situation. Yeah, they haven't totally figured him out outside of his that surface-level characterization, I think. Um, which They've is abandoned the Vulcan, I, I, the Vulcan uh, cyborg thing. That, like his Vulcan suppression. Yeah, that, that seemed like it was going to be big in the pilot. It's not. They haven't mentioned it since. Yeah. Well, I, I, I would, I would be shocked if we don't get more from him. If not by the end of the episode, the end of the season, moving uh, then, but then by the time they get to season two and for and beyond, because like he's, he's there's too much there f- for them to that they could dip into to not do it. So. Yeah. I did. I did really. I did like at the end when he beams everybody back and they're all glowing and they're like, "What happened?" And he's like, "It's just cosmetic." I'm like, it's <laughs> <Yeah>. just cosmetic. <laughs> I did like the transporter, the sound joke. I thought that was that was pretty clever. Um, that's it. I guess we're done talking about 
Much Ado About Boimler. It is the seventh episode of Star Trek Lower Decks' first season. Thank you very much for listening. You can go to patreon.com slash the Penske file if you want to support the show. A couple dollars a month gets you extra stuff. You can also get a special shout out if you're a captain. Special thank you goes to Christian Pouch, Tark Latif, Chris Tinsley, Mike Burnett, Sean Carnal Doomsday, Joint Mango, Matt Cutler, Ben Douglas, Neil Brennan, Cal Barrett, Sam McCuster, Nick Sergey, Bradley Killens, Matt Ross, Rune Vendler, Nathan Elliott, Eric Johnson, Andrew Cholog, Grim Santo, Point Extra G, Dwayne Hackett, Jordan Cooper, Derek Zajak, Russell Elledge, Kevin Reyes, Vault 13 Hero, Stephen Minton, Darth Mosk, HH28, Matt Curry 6, Jake 123, Mike Harris, Jake Gamer, Patrick Seba, Captain Brazen, Kevin Lowry, Eric Antoine, Corey Martin, William Seisler, Timothy Cooley. Thank you very much for supporting the show. We'll be back with Enterprise as well at this point and uh, our continuing coverage of that show. And I think Discovery starts just when Lower Decks ends. I'm personally disappointed about that. Um, <laughs> do you want a break? <laughs> I do. And I, I, almost, I almost feel like I want to get through Enterprise faster. Yeah. You know? Like, yeah. I, I'm, <laughs> I'm really crossing my fingers that Discovery is good this season for me because like i don't know if i i don't know what my state of mind is going to be slogging through a bad season of discovery and a bad season of middle, enterprise this, this middle <laughs> maudlin season of enterprise that's just like everybody sh- everybody shows up for work punches in and punches out yep. and then that's it yeah you know, no that's so that's the that's the problem with it um i have no reason to do discovery other than it's a hot topic really it doesn't seem to mm-hmm. it doesn't seem to create that much more interest in the channel or the show or anything like that so uh, i'm just being negative it is the downside is if it's a bad season of discovery we're just watering down two relatively bad seasons to get through and it just takes doubly yeah. as long and it's like i i don't know if that's the best way forward cuz i do want to yeah. get through enterprise um I'm like more. I'm personally more interested in Enterprise than I am Discovery's next season. You're probably the opposite, but that's not to say anything about the yeah. quality. Just about what you're looking forward to. Yeah, I, I'm the opposite at this point, where I actually am legitimately interested as to what they're going to do on, on uh, Discovery. Um, that could change very quickly. I don't know. Uh, come back next week where we complain about having to watch these shows i guess i know <laughs> it's not it's not great incentive for people to come back for us to be like i don't know guys the next month is just the next six to eight weeks are just gonna be a slog just a real slog so come everyone, back and join us everyone i think even the listeners are like can we just get to season three of enterprise which is what this is break like i just i need to get mm. through season two of enterprise to get to season three and season three is different than season two so at least that's something uh, to sort of talk about and do things with yeah um otherwise all the other shows are at the penskefile.com there's rotten horror picture show and then there's badass continuing as always and oh, the other patreon the new patreon goal so if you become a uh, a five dollar member of the patreon going forward and we get to the $800 a month goal then you and Amanda are going to be doing special horror franchise podcasts where you go through every me, movie in a horror franchise me and Amanda not you as like the listener in Amanda right. I mean she I'm the sure she'd be you. happy to talk to you yeah I'm sure she'd be happy to talk to you about horror movies but it's, it's going to cost you more than $5 the video is just a zoom call with a million things on the screen and everyone shouting about Freddy Krueger yeah but you're going to be going through mm-hmm. every film in a horror franchise once a month you'll come out for that mm-hmm. it'll be the $5 patrons on patreon.com slash the Penske file so if you guys are interested in that sign up once it gets to 800 they'll start releasing those things <gasps> I guess that's it we're pretty close too mm-hmm. but I mean you know relatively close relatively close yeah um, 
And it, the sooner we get to that, it puts us within striking distance of our uh, $900 goal, which is Wes and I do the entirety of Voyager. Yes. Which I feel which like... Is seven I feel years like away my, because of Discovery and Enterprise yeah, alternating weeks. I do feel like I'm like a, a clown in a dunking booth on that one, though, where it's like just daring people to throw the ball to target and <laughs> knock them into the water. <laughs> you, don't get, you didn't get the, uh, the salamander joke until you've seen Voyager's Threshold, I suppose. Oh, I got it. I've seen people talk about it enough. I got it by osmosis of joke. I like, I like the, the lower deck spin on that joke is we think he's human. <laughs> yes, yeah. Uh, that's it. Thank you very much for listening, guys. We will see you next time.